Father, thank you for your goodness, for your love. Thanks for opportunities that we can come and worship. Thanks for for time that we can draw close to you and we can uh, receive from you and just enjoy uh, just your presence, enjoy being your kids. Thanks for uh, your church and just time that we can uh, even be together and uh, for the great work that you're doing in our midst. God, we give you thanks and praise. Pray now as we as we look into your word and we talk a little bit more about this whole Christmas uh, thing, Lord, I pray that you would speak, that you would direct and, and challenge and uh, just open our eyes to see you and know you and receive you afresh this year, God. Pray that we would not just, uh, I don't know, get sucked into the busyness and uh, all the distraction and all the events of the next week, but that really uh, you would be... Uh, you would be our focus and that you would receive the glory and that we would step into what you have for us. We love you, God. We need you. We look to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I read this week, I thought this is interesting, that Americans will waste $9.5 billion on presents in the next couple of weeks that we will never use, right? $9.5 billion worth of stuff that we'll either hang in our closet until we get sick of it and give it to Goodwill or, right, I mean, whatever. We'll never open it, never put it to use. Maybe it'll go in the garage. Maybe it'll be like, oh, great, thanks. That's not even, that's not even including the $70 billion worth of uh, gifts that will be returned, according to CNBC. All told, that's $80 billion. That's like two hundred. Dollars a person in America, on average, right? That that will be wasted on unwanted gifts. Eighty billion with a B. You believe that? I'm like, man, I just as soon take the cash. <laughs> Eighty billion in unwanted gifts. Talk about a first world problem, first of all, right? I mean, that's that's insane. But it kind of got me thinking this week about gifts. What is it that makes makes a gift good versus what is it that makes a gift bad? What is it that, that makes some things like phenomenal and like awesome and, and stuff that we celebrate and rejoice and receive with great joy versus other things that we're sort of like, mm, we turn up our noses to and we're like, I don't think so. Right kind of thing. And so um, in order to get you kind of engaged with me this morning, because I need some audience participation, but uh, I want to get you talking. So we're going to start out this morning. I want you to think uh, for just a second and say, what's maybe the best gift and the worst gift that you've ever received. And if, and if the whole the best or the worst stresses you, then A, right, one of the uh, best and worst gifts. Now, a little, a little tip for you. If the worst gift you've ever received was given from the person sitting next to you, you might want to go down the list to, like, the number two or the number three, right? Like, <laughs> kind of like just a little tip for you. So, so think about that for just a second. And then once you, if you're comfortable, turn to a person or two or three around you and share your answers. Best gift and or worst gift you've ever received. Ready? It's okay to talk at church. So ready? Mark's Gazette. Go. Talk. Like it's even that hard for you. There wasn't even like a pause, right? You guys were on it. So 
it back together. What are some of the best and some of the worst? What, what got mentioned? Okay. Sega Dreamcast. Was that good or bad? It was great. Okay, what else? Hubcaps. Was that good or bad? Bad. Bad. <laughs> like, what are you going to do with those? Not exactly a priority for you. What else? What's that? The, the Death Star? Like, is it one you had to build? It was all together? Oh, wow. Very cool. Nice. Death Star. What else? A file box? Was that good or bad? <laughs> yes. There's a fun story for that. Just with every pristine one, right? In that, in that era or whatever. Thanks, girl. <laughs> Anything else? Other thoughts? Yeah, I was thinking this week, and I'm like, I'm not sure exactly what my uh, my favorite, you know, my, my, my worst gift especially uh, would be. I, I think... Uh, I got a brick one year for Christmas. Literally, my mom wrapped up a brick and gave it to me because I was uh, I was at that age where I hated surprises. I still kind of hate surprises, but and so I so she would hide stuff like Christmas presents, and I would go looking for them around the house, and so to kind of throw me off. And I'm and I'm a really good guesser when it comes to Christmas presents too. And so she'd wrap stuff up. I look at it and be like, it's a shirt, you know, probably the wrong size. I'll return, you know, like you know whatever. But I mean, you're sort of pretty good at guessing. And so to throw me off that year, she wrapped up a big old like cement like construction brick kind of thing put it under the tree i had shaken the thing i you know kind of tried to look through the paper and so i couldn't figure it out for like me a brick uh so that that's got to be towards the bottom of my list of, of worst i've probably got some shirts and some clothes around somewhere that you know i'm sure are in storage or have been given away that i was sort of like yeah not not so much my favorite i i did read this week and i know i talked about it last week but i i did read this week that americans have uh 31% of Americans ranked uh, fruitcake as the worst holiday present they've ever received. Fruitcake, right? Uh, in fact, fruitcake finished just below um, getting nothing at all, meaning, meaning Americans would rather get nothing than fruitcake. And so if any of you, if any of you have that wrapped up under the tree, I'm sorry like, to give to somebody, but they said, yeah, not so much. Not so much. <laughs> I'm sure there's some takers. Yeah. Hey, bring it on. So anyway, uh, I, I, like I said, I can't exactly come up with what my, my the worst gift I've ever received is, but I, I was thinking this week about a friend of mine, his name is uh, Mark, he lived with me right after college, we've been, we've been great friends for a long time, I think I shared this one another time, maybe a year or two ago, uh, but but uh, he uh, was, one, like I said, one of the guys that lived with me after college, we've been great friends, we have similar interests and passions, uh, he and his wife got married, um, two weeks before Tina and I did. And so we've enjoyed just sort of going through life together and we're in the same life stage, same ministry stage, uh, all this kind of stuff. It's been a hoot uh, to kind of do that. But I'll never forget them sitting on the couch in our living room and telling us this story about what Mark would say was the worst gift he'd ever <laughs> received. Um, they, uh, for their first Christmas together, uh, they were super excited. I mean, Mark especially was super excited. He was like thinking, man, this is our first Christmas. I'm going to go big or go home, right? I mean, so he's, he's like, he even said, he said, I thought, you know, let's, let's put all the time and love and attention and money I can into this because this is sort of going to set the tone for gift giving for the rest of our married life together. Like this is gonna be, this is, this is important, this matters. And so he, I mean, he had done a lot of thinking, he had he'd been saving, and he picked out a gift for his wife that was awesome. And so 
uh, Christmas Day came, and so they, it's time to open presents, and she opened hers, and she was blown away. I mean, it was given with love. It was thoughtful. It was, I mean, it was, uh, it was uh, an expensive gift, and it was just what she needed. And she was like, I mean, wow. It was, I mean, again, given with great love and obviously a, a great care and attention. And so then the time came for him. And I mean, he too, he's sort of jazzed. He's like, again, thinking, man, this is going to set the tone for our relationship, for our family, for our married life forever. And so he opens up the present. And it's a nose hair trimmer. <laughs> it was like, what? Like, what, what is this? It was, it come, come to tell, it was all a misunderstanding. Uh, they'd been going through the store. He had pointed it out. She thought he was pointing it out as a hint, right? Saying, man, this would be great. He was mocking it. <laughs> so, anyway, they were able to laugh about it and that kind of stuff. But, but when it comes to the worst gift ever given, that comes up at the top <laughs> of his list. Like, man, so, I mean, there might be some of you here that have presents under the tree that you can't figure out what your spouse has gotten for you this year. So it could be a nose hair trimmer. I mean, like, maybe that's what they got gotcha. you. Something to look forward to. <laughs> so anyway, uh, let, me, let me just ask you a question. Uh, what is it that makes a gift good versus bad? I mean, I, because some of the things that we talked about, even like we're, we're joking around about fruitcake, other people here are like, man, that'd be great. <laughs> that'd be a great gift. I would love to receive fruitcake. So what is it that makes a gift good versus bad? And you, again, it's okay to talk in church. Why don't you throw some things out? What makes a gift good? Having a heart in it. Having a heart in it. So given with love, right? Absolutely. What else? Thoughtfulness. Thoughtfulness. Yeah. Knowing if that's interesting. When a gift is given and it's about you and not about me, like sometimes gifts are given and it's really about the person that's giving them, you're like, thanks. It's not what I want at all. It's not me. It's not whatever. But when it's given and it's a lot of thought is given to it about you, right? I mean, it's 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 exactly what you need. That's huge. What else? Something what? Something you need. Something you can actually use. What else? Anything else? <laughs> Green and made of paper. <laughs> so, something that is um, costly, something that's valuable. And so that doesn't always equate to money, right? So, but sometimes uh, it can be things that are just sentimental or things that kind of mean something uh, to you. That can, that can be uh, significant. Thoughtful, right? Given out a heart of love, expensive or valuable or, or uh, something that you would like, that, like something that you would need, something that brings us joy, something that's about the person receiving it. It's about them. It's thoughtful. It's given for their benefit, not for the benefit of the, the person giving. Some of those kind of stuff. I think these are things that make gifts good to us. Well, today we're wrapping up a series that we've been doing here at Ignite called Home, Embracing the Joys and the Complexities of Christmas. And there's a lot of them, right? There's a lot, all kinds of stuff that goes along with that. But today I wanted to wrap up um, this series talking about unwanted gifts because that is the re- a reality for all of us. Is there are things that are great about Christmas. There are things that are not great. There are gifts that are given to us um, that we enjoy. And there are some that we're, we scratch our heads and we're like, how did you even think of this or come up with this and that kind of thing? Uh, I was thinking uh, about the Christmas story this week and just even thinking about the coming of Jesus, thinking about the very first Christmas present that was given. And even that, by some people, it was received as an unwanted gift. Right? I mean, some of you know the story. Uh, I mean, people, uh, the people of God, the people of Israel had been waiting for hundreds and some even for more than a thousand years had been waiting and looking for the coming of the king, the coming of this promised 
promised one, this promised Messiah or Savior that was to come from God and was to redeem and free uh, God's people, right? Was to bring them to life and to, to sort of usher in a new kingdom and a new reality. And so people had been waiting and waiting and the, and the anticipation had grown, especially as the Roman Empire had advanced and sort of busted in on Israel, busted in on, on the home and the land of God's people. And so the more that, that, that Rome, uh, Rome had come and occupied their country and the, the, the worse that politics got in that day and age, the more the, the rumors and the anticipation started to build and they started talking more and more. They, start, they started thinking to themselves, man, just wait, just you wait. One day Messiah's coming and he's coming to take names, right? He's coming to boot baby he's gonna annihilate the enemies of our people right he's gonna he's gonna boot out Rome he's gonna kick Caesar to the curb right it's gonna it's gonna be that good. it's gonna be great just wait another day is coming a Messiah a promised one a savior a king is coming and when he does that it's gonna be great so that's what they were expecting and what they got was a little bit closer to a nose hair trimmer to some, in some of their minds, right? Because, because Jesus didn't come the first time when the Savior, the Messiah, this king named Jesus came from God. He didn't come with pomp and circumstance like they thought he ought to. He didn't come the first time to take names. He didn't come to annihilate the enemies of, of his people in that day. He came instead armed with love, talking about forgiveness And his ultimate weapon was a sacrificial death that he died for the sins of the world. And back in that first century when when the Messiah came, right? A lot of the people, a lot of God's people, a lot of the people of Israel were like, what's this? Who is? This isn't our king. This isn't the one we wanted. This is an unwanted gift. (laughs) What else you got? Right? Like, I mean, that's, that's fine. Yeah, that's not really what we want, though. What we want is something else. What we want is revenge. What we want is whatever. But I'll tell you what, what we're going we're gonna to look at, what we're going to see today, is that sometimes, sometimes what we want isn't what we need, right? Sometimes God sees through uh, the simplicity and the shallowness of our own requests, and he gazes in, and instead he gives us something infinitely better. He gives, us, he gives us a gift that we really need rather than one that we want. And I think the truth be told is that maybe this gift is what you and I need to do. And, and so we're going to take a look at that today. We're going to look at God's Christmas gift given to us. And we're going to look at it and say, is this a good gift? Is this a bad gift? Is this something we want to receive? Or is this something maybe we want to give back? Right? Like keep the gift receipt, right? Because you might want to give it back at the end of this, uh, this kind of thing. I'm joking a little bit. But I think what we'll see is it's the best gift ever given. I read this week that 42% of Americans think uh, Christmas would be best if there was just no gift given whatsoever. And I understand where they're coming from, uh, right? I, I, I really do. But, man, I'll, I'll tell you what. I hope that's not the case for us as we consider the gift of the Messiah, the gift of God coming down for us, the gift of God coming to rescue us and free us and save us and to bring us home. So that's kind of what we're zeroing in on today. I don't want us to miss it. 
Well, I tell you what, the, the Apostle Paul calls uh, the coming of this king, he calls it uh, the indescribable gift. And so he's like, it's better than you can even imagine. It's better than, uh, than words can even express. It's too marvelous for that. This Christmas gift, the gift of a, a given, the coming of the Messiah, this baby named Jesus, it's the best gift that's ever been offered to humanity. It's the ultimate homecoming. And here's why I say this. I'm just going to look at three things to kind of evaluate this gift and to kind of, uh, kind of prove my thesis, if I may. But the first one I'll just talk about is this, right? We, it's, a, it's a gift that was given that had tremendous value. In fact, it's the most valuable, the most priceless gift that has ever been given. When we celebrate Christmas, uh, we are actually celebrating and remembering the coming of the Christ, right? The coming of Jesus. That Jesus chose to come down from heaven to earth. God choosing to give up the perks of being God. He comes down. He's born in a barn. Literally, he could have been born in a cave. It's the same kind of concept. We don't know. But it was used for the same purpose. It was a, it was a place where animals lived. Where animals were corralled and stayed. It was a place where, I mean, have you been in a barn? It was not a nice place, right? Uh, the, 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 the king... This king, this Messiah, this savior, God himself choosing to give himself and to come from heaven to earth to be born in a stable and laid in a manger. It's jaw-dropping when you think of the price associated with that. God giving himself for you. God giving himself for me. It's no place for a king to be born, but man, it is a priceless gift and, of course, the bigger picture here that we have to remember is not only did he come down from heaven to live on earth, but he came knowing full well that he was coming to die, not just to live, but to die for the people that he had come to love and serve and save. It's impossible for us to understand the price of God's Christmas gift to us without looking ahead and remembering Good Friday and Easter. Because the truth of the matter is he chose to come and to live and to die because he cared so much for you and for me. This Christmas gift was priceless. God for you, a savior for you. God willing to die so that you and I can live. Listen to how it's described in Philippians um, 2, 5 through 8. It says this. It says, think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. Now look at the, the rest is a description of how Christ saw himself and, and thought of himself. and said he had equal status with God. But didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that, uh, of that status no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity, the privileges of being God. And he took on the status of a slave. Became, he became human. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges, but instead he lived a selfless, obedient life. And then he died a selfless, obedient death. It's not about him. It was about you, right? It was, it was the most thoughtful gift, the most price, pricey gift ever given. He lived a, an obedient life, a selfless, obedient life, and then died a selfless, obedient death, and the worst kind of death of that, a crucifixion. God's Christmas gift, so to speak, for you and for me the, was the most expensive gift in history. It cost God the life of his one and only son. I ran across this quote this week. It's from Philip Yancey. I thought it was awesome uh, just to put this in perspective. He says, imagine for a moment becoming a baby again. Can you imagine? 
choosing to become a baby, giving up language and muscle coordination, and the ability to eat solid food and control your bladder. Imagine that, choosing that. God as a fetus. Or imagine yourself becoming a sea slug. That analogy, he says, is probably closer. On that day in Bethlehem, the maker of all that is took form as a helpless, dependent newborn. Can you imagine God choosing to give up the perks of being God and choosing to come down in that form as a baby for you? It's jaw-dropping. God choosing to give up all the perks, all the power and control, the independence to become a helpless baby born in a barn, and he did it for you so that he could offer you and offer me the life that we have always wanted, that we longed for, that we needed. A gift given to us, maybe not what we would have chosen or how we would have chosen it, but it's the gift that we need. A gift freely offered, but a gift that cost God greatly. I was thinking this week uh, about the office of the President of the United States. No Donald Trump jokes, I'll try and keep it on task here, right? I mean, that kind of thing. But I was thinking this week about, I mean, the office... We as the world would, would, would see this person as the leader of the free world, they're sometimes called. It's a big deal. They're important, right? They're, we, would, we would ascribe great value to the office, typically. Right? Stick with me. And, uh, and that kind of thing. So much so that there's a group of people that are specially trained, and their job is to protect the president. They're called the... Good. Yeah, Secret Service, right? And these people are highly trained. It's, I mean, it's in jaw-dropping kinds of ways. They're trained that in, in the case of imminent danger, that somebody pulls out a gun, what are they trained to do? They are, they are trained to take a bullet for the president. They would gladly trade their lives for the life of the president of the United States. It's crazy, isn't it? I mean, like that's, they're trained to jump in front of, of, uh, of a gunman, to take a bullet because of this kind of thing, but, but what I was thinking about is, I mean, when we think of Christmas and we try to, to get a picture of, of how this works, imagine if the roles were reversed and somebody pulls out a gun and is going to shoot a Secret Service agent. Imagine the President of the United States jumping in front and taking a bullet for his detail. Does that seem crazy? I'll do th- you one better, because uh, I think this is probably a clearer, a clearer picture. But imagine somebody pulls out a gun, is going to kill the president, is going to kill the president. His Secret Service uh, detail goes to shoot the guy back, the, the gunman, and the president jumps in front of him and takes a bullet for the person who's trying to assassinate him. That's the kind of picture that we get in Christmas and as we look ahead to Easter. It's a picture of a savior that came, God, right? God, the most important being in the universe. If ever there was somebody that deserved not to die, that deserved not to be mistreated, it's him, right? He's the only one that's perfect, the only one that's sinless, the only one that, that has all power, that has, I mean, this holy, you know, on and on and on. And yet he chose to come down to take a bullet for you. But the Bible teaches that it's, it's our sin and it's our rebellion and it's, it's, it's all the junk, all the ways that we have turned our back on God and said, I don't want your way. I don't want your will. I'm going to live life on my own for my own pleasure, for my own glory, for my own good. And you can just get back, God. The Bible teaches that it's because of that kind of sin. It's because of our rebellion against God. The Bible teaches the penalty for that is death. Right? We are the ones that deserve to die. We are the ones that have turned our backs on God again and again and again. And yet, 
God loved you too much to do nothing. And so he sent the most expensive, priceless gift he could possibly send. He sent the, he sent God himself, he sent his own son, part of the Trinity, right? He sent the son of God down from heaven to earth to live and eventually to die for your sins and mine. To take them away so that you and I can live, so that you and I can be forgiven. Think about that. That's the gift that he offers you this Christmas. Let's not miss that. The most important gift ever offered. The most valuable gift ever given. So that's the first one. It's an expensive gift, right? It's priceless. Uh, and that's why I would argue it's good, right? It's the best gift ever given. Second one, let's go on. It's a practical gift. We talked before, I mean, uh, we've all gotten stuff that is impractical, nose hair trimmers and the like. I was, I was thinking this week of remembering a time after I graduated from college, uh, before I had a, a job, right? So I'm sending out resumes like crazy. I'm living on, you know, bologna and macaroni and cheese, right? I had no income at the time. I was scraping by just trying to keep, you know, trying to, 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 uh, to land a job, trying to get all that kind of stuff. And I remember one day a gift arrived, a big gift. UPS pulls up, they bring out this huge thing. I open it up, this, this huge um, box, and uh, open it up, and it's a black hard case. It's probably this tall and this big around. It's got straps on the sides, like that hard plastic travel kind of case. And I'm like, what? I pop the things off the side. I take it out. It's golf clubs. It was a gift from my dad. Now, they're not just any golf clubs. These babies are sweet. They are custom made for my height. They've got graphite shafts. They, they're in, like I said, a traveling case, but there's another uh, golf case. It, I mean, it's, it, was a, it was an expensive gift that was given. Now, there's only a couple of, of significant problems with this, with this issue. The first one is I didn't golf. Right? So I'm like, hey, it's probably like a thousand dollar set of golf clubs or something. It's like they were sweet golf clubs. All all my friends that actually do golf look at these and like, these are your clubs? Like I like I don't deserve it, right? Like this is ridiculous. Like a really sweet gift, but I don't golf. They were pretty much worthless to me at that point. And the second thing, the second problem with it is, I mean, again, still still a sweet gift, but impractical for me. The second gift is, man, I would have much rather had grocery money at that point, right? I would have rather had rent. There's something tangible. When you're living, you're like, I can't afford food right now. I don't really need a $1,000 set of golf clubs. Like, can, we, can, can you fill up my gas tank instead? Can you pay my rent? Can you, whatever. A gift that was given that had great value but it wasn't real practical for me at that point. It just wasn't. And I think all of us can, can recognize that, right? All of us uh, probably have experienced that in one way or another. But 2,000 years ago, God gave us what we needed more than anything else. He gave us, again, it might not have been what we wanted, but he gave us the most practical gift in history. Because like it or not, like I, like I just mentioned, like it or not, because of our sin, because of our rebellion, we had been separated from God. Because of our sin and our rebellion, there was a death sentence around our neck. Whether we recognized it or not, we were on death row. We were without hope. And as we looked ahead, we could, we could talk in the game, we could wish it was different, but as we looked ahead, the only thing that, that really awaited us was hell and separation from God for eternity. That's, that's where we were. But God, right? This is, this is where all things always get good. But God. But God saw that. 
And he cared so much about you and about me that he couldn't leave things as they were. So he came down from heaven to earth and he paid the price for our sins by dying on the cross in our stead so that you and I, by simply putting our faith and trust in him, we could be forgiven. Right? Completely. We could be restored and brought back home to God. We get to sit around his table, so to speak. We are a part of his family. We are adopted back as his sons and daughters. We are assured of life both today and tomorrow and the day after that. For those who put their trust in Christ, we are assured we are headed for heaven, right? We're headed for we're headed for a glorious future where we get to live with and be with our Savior, our King, even our friend Jesus for all eternity. It's the best future you can even possibly imagine. The, even the Bible and the, the authors of the Bible, the human authors, have a hard time putting it into words. They're like, I can't even describe how good that's going to be. Uh, so they start using language like, it's a place where the streets are made of gold. right? It's a place where uh, like the, there's this glorious light like rubies and gems around the throne of God because that's the only language they can use. They're like, it's even better than you can imagine. Words cannot express. It's an indescribable gift. Right? That is awaiting us, Jesus, and the life that He has for us for all eternity. It's available to you and to me. Not only is it a priceless gift, but it's a practical gift. It's better than you can imagine. It was exactly what we needed. I thought this was a great quote this week. Uh, somebody, I, I've heard it attributed in all kinds of places, so I'm not even going to guess, but somebody smarter than me said it, <laughs> so I'm just going uh, to read it. It says this. He said, if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness in a relationship with God, and so he sent us a savior. It's the best gift ever given, the coming of a savior came to rescue us and free us and bring us home to be with him forever. In John chapter 4, Jesus has an encounter with a woman uh, that he meets with at a well. And this woman asks, uh, or he asks this woman uh, to start out with, he says, hey, will you give me a drink of water? And this woman, for all practical purposes, says, look, you don't know me, your people don't like me, and on top of that, Jews are always a little bit snooty, right? So why would you ask me for a drink, and why should I give you one kind of thing? And this is what Jesus' response is in, in, in uh, John 4.10. He says this, Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God, if you knew the gift of God, and who it was that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. He's like, if you knew who I was, Jesus said, you'd have asked me for a drink, and I would give you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? And Jesus answers, everybody who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. What's Jesus saying here? He's saying, if you knew the gift of God, if you knew this Christmas gift that is being offered to you and me, he was like, the gift I offer leads to fullness and wholeness. Like, like so much like a well of water just springing up in you, bringing you to life. And he says, and welling up to eternal life. He says, if you understood the Christmas gift that has been offered to you, you would know that it's good, it's abundant, it's full, and it leads to life today and tomorrow and the day after that all the way through 
eternity. It's better. It's exactly what we needed. It's full. He offers to wipe out our sins. He offers to make us new. He offers to bring us home, bring us to life, and lead us through this life that you and I were born for. It's good. It's practical. It's better than you and I could even imagine, right? Jesus describes his life as life to the full, abundant life, overflowing sort of life. Like take a cup and fill it up with water and then keep filling even after it's full. Just let it run over, right? He's like, that's what it's like. I'm going to come and I'm going to take up residence in you and I'm going to fill you in ways you can't even imagine. It's good. It's the most valuable gift ever given. It's the most practical gift ever given. And, and thirdly, I'll just say it's, it's a loving gift as well. It was given entirely out of a heart of love. I'm like Mr. Statsman on gifts today, but, but I read this week as well that 66% of men and 48% of women say they don't enjoy shopping for Christmas gifts. Can I get an amen in the room, right? <laughs> I was thinking about it this weekend. I was thinking, you know what? You know why I think that is, uh, at least to some degree? I think there are some gifts that probably we enjoy shopping for, right? Some that, that you're like, oh, man, I'd like to get gifts for my kids, or I like to get gifts for whatever, but oftentimes we end up with a list of people that we have to buy presents for, and uh, <laughs> and maybe I'm being too self-revealing here or something, but but in some of them, uh, you, you really are, are feeling it, some of them maybe not so much, and as we get closer and closer to Christmas Day, all of a sudden it just becomes a list, right, it's just a list, I have this many names that I need to get presents for, and I need to get something for all of them, and so especially as you get closer and closer and closer, it's just a task to be done, so it's another thing to check off the list and it's often I mean we get to the point where it's it's barely even I mean not it's not that it's completely unloving but it's just something to be done right we're just trying to scratch things off the list I'm trying to get through my list so I can get to Christmas and get get all this stuff done it just becomes so tasky but every once in a while you and I get get a chance to be on one end or the other of, of a gift that's given with great love Right? Maybe, maybe we get to be the giver of that, and it's thoughtful and it's cared for. Maybe like my friend Mark that I was telling you about before that's put a lot of attention and detail. Or maybe something's given to you, and you're like, man, you can just tell like in the person's eyes and their demeanor and in the gift itself. You're like, man, this was, give, this was given with tremendous love. Somebody that really cared. Somebody that, that really put themselves into this. I think my wife is great at this, Tina. She always puts a ton of heart into gifts that she gives. And sometimes you can just see it in her face. Like, she's glowing. This is just her way of expressing love to you. And maybe you've experienced that at one time or another. But, friends, what I want you to hear today is that that's really God's heart in sending this gift. It is all motivated because he loves you like crazy, like nobody else ever has and nobody else ever will. He's for you. He delights in you. He wants you. And because of that, that, that's his motivation. That's why he sent his son. That's why he chose to come for you. It's because he loves you so much. John 3.16 is probably one of the best well-known verses in the Bible, right? It, It puts it just so simply. It says, for God so loved the world. By the way, I love that it's so, right? It's not just that God loved the world. It's that he so, it's like, this, it's like to say that he loved us wasn't enough. So he so loved you. He was so crazy about you that he sent his one and only son that whoever believes and receives, whoever opens themselves up, whoever puts their faith in Christ will not perish, but will have eternal life with him. For God so loved the world. His motivation was his great love for you and for me. 
This invaluable gift is given to you and to me because God loves you so much, because you matter to him that much, because he wants you and he wants me to know how precious we are to him, how valuable we are to him. Again, when we look at this gift of Christmas, we have to get the full picture by looking ahead to Easter to fully understand and recognize his great love in giving this gift. I read a story one time uh, about a, a, a monk, a medieval monk, that announced that he was going to be preaching the next Sunday evening on the love of God. As the shadows fell and the light ceased to come in through the cathedral windows, the congregation gathered together in quiet. And in the darkness of the altar, the monk simply took a match, he lit a candle, and he carried it up to the crucifix, the cross with uh, Jesus on it. And with the candle, he, he, went, he illuminated the crown of thorns. And then he took it down to, to each, each side and kind of illuminated the hands of Jesus, right, that had the nail marks in it. He went and illuminated the marks of the spear mark in his side. And in the hush that fell, he blew out the candle and left. There was nothing else he could say. 1 John 3.16 puts it this way. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. It says we ought to lay down our lives for each other. But I, I love this verse because he's saying, are you kidding? This, just, this defines love, right? There is no greater love than to look and to recognize God, the Savior, right? The, the chosen one, the Messiah came. He loved you so much that he came down and he died. He laid down his life for you. That's just how much you matter to God. The present that God offers you and me this Christmas is one given with complete love. He loves you so much that he was willing to take a bullet for you. He was willing to die a cruel death so that you and I could be given new and full life and be brought back into a relationship with him. Not such a bad gift, eh? Given for you. It's a gift that's given out of a heart of love. It's a practical gift. It's exactly what we need. And it's priceless. It's, it's by far the greatest Christmas gift ever given. But you got to receive it. Right? But that, it, it's one that's given, but it has to be received as well. I just was thinking this week and thinking how, how foolish it would be um, to do one of two things. Either to receive this great gift given out of love, given that's practical, it's exactly what we need, given that's the most expensive gift ever given. How, how foolish it would be to leave that gift either wrapped and under the tree or to open it, right, and, and, and receive it and then stick it in the closet someplace, right? Just say, yeah, not really interested. How foolish it would be. Because this is a gift that's, that's meant to be received, experienced, and lived in with great joy. That verse that we just read, that John 3, 16, right, says, For God so loved you that he gave his son, that whoever believes and receives, whoever opens up their heart, whoever puts their faith in Christ will not perish but live with him forever. It's meant to be received and not just, not just even believed, but believed and received, right? It's, it's that holistic picture we talked about a few weeks ago uh, of, of embracing it, of clinging to that life preserver with everything you've got to take. There's a response to it. It's not just something to know in your head, but it's something to be embraced with all that we are. I wonder if you've done that. 
I wonder, I mean, first and foremost, I wonder, have you opened up that gift that's been given to you at Christmas? Have, have you cried out and put your faith in him and said, you know, cried out, Jesus, I need you. I want to come home, right? I, I, have, I have experienced separation that comes because of sin. I have gone my own way and seen the downward spiral of that puppy. It's gone nowhere. I, even, I mean, I've experienced the destructive power of sin in my own life, my own relationships, and I don't want to do that anymore. I need a Savior to come to forgive me and to bring me home. Would you do that in me, God? I need you, Jesus. Would you come and rescue me? Would you come and bring me home? If you have never done that before, friends, I would encourage you to do it today. Don't go through this Christmas season. Don't go, go through all the hubbub and the trees and the presents and the meals and all that kind of stuff and miss the best gift ever given to you. And second of all, as, uh, I don't know, I just want you to take a reflective moment and just say, man, are you really living in it? I mean, he gave his best for you so that you could come back home so that you could live in right relationship with God, so that you could be forgiven for your past, so that you could be made new, so that he could send his spirit to live inside of you, and so that you could walk with him today and tomorrow and experience that life to the full on through eternity. Are you living in that reality today? Or if you're honest, you say, you know what, I've kind of taken that, I've, I've prayed the prayer, I've done the thing, and I've kind of just shoved it off to the side. Practically, I'm not really living in that relationship today. And if that's you, let me just encourage you as well just to say, man, let's not, let's not just go through the motions this week, right? I mean, we're, as we lead up to Christmas, we're walking through this time of, it's called Advent, right? The time leading up to Christmas. It's a time of preparation. It's a time of anticipation. It's a time of opening up our hearts. We'll sing songs as we probably says, let every heart prepare him room, right? Would, would you this week, friends, just open up your heart afresh to God? Say, God, would you forgive me for, for relegating you over here to the side? But instead, would you bring me home again? Would you teach me to walk with you? Would you open my ears to hear you? Would, you? would you open my heart to love you? Would you open up my heart even to receive afresh the gift of a Savior coming for me? God, bring me home. Let's close in prayer. God, that's our cry this morning, Father. Would you just, just open up our hearts? draw us home. Father, we thank you for the indescribable gift that you sent in Jesus. We thank you for sending a Savior that is exactly what we need to pay for our past, to strengthen us for our present, and to assure us of life and hope and everything in the future. God, I pray that today, right now, in this week, that our hearts would just be wide open to the likes of you, God, that we would step into that relationship with you, that we would receive the gift that you sent for us and help us to live in and experience that relationship to the full. Open our eyes to see you. Open our hearts to know you and love you and receive you afresh now.